0: W-B-N-E. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're
1: the Curly Critics, and today we're talking about hidden figures.
0: Hello, welcome to our night show. We're recording this after 10pm. So if it sounds like we're telling a secret, we are. The secret is our podcast, Late at Night. Welcome.
1: So, this movie... I've seen a lot of times. I was trying to think today when the first time I saw it was and I cannot remember. We watched it. The last time I saw it before this was we watched it for my Society of Women Engineers like had a movie night and we watched it because Society of Women Engineers, Women mm-hmm. in STEM. <laughs> but I really really like this movie. I've seen it a lot of times. And that's my history with it.
0: (laughs) So, back in the 1800s, whenever movies were still a thing, I went back in time and watched this movie for the first time. But in real time, in real life, this movie took place in the 1960-something, probably. 61. Hello. Welcome to... I don't know what I'm talking about. I just watched it today.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: the premise of this movie is there are three women, Katherine, Dorothy, and Mary, who work for NASA. The three black women working for NASA. And it's basically their story as they like move their way through NASA and help them get Mercury 5? in. I forgot which thing they did It's helping NASA get a man orbiting the moon I thought that was Friendship
0: 7 It could be I think Mercury was a different one Unless we're talking about the same thing
1: uh, I, They might be the same thing Perfect Okay, okay. Friendship 7 is the ship but, like, Mercury is something. Oh, that's something else. Oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> the Mercury spacecraft named Friendship 7 carried John Glenn around the Earth. Nice. I knew so we're it. we're both right. Yes. Anyway, so it starts with young little Catherine being too smart for school and being told to go to college because she's really good at math. <laughs> And then it switches to the three women on the road where their car broke down trying to get to work. And then we're introduced to the space race and the communists. <laughs> <laughs> where the police officer comes to like help them with their car and he's like, oh the Russians are going to shoot us down. We have to beat the communists. And he like helps them go to work and then at NASA there's a briefing about how the Russians have orbited space or something and how they need to stop them and so then the three women get new positions and we have a movie yeah so first
0: a movie that actually happened in real life
1: <laughs> yeah it's a movie based on real people katherine johnson mary jackson and dorothy Vaughn. katherine jackson died oh my gosh katherine johnson died beginning of 2020
0: Oh, I do remember that.
1: Which is, of course, start to a terrible year. Hmm. But, so, Mary gets reassigned to work in the engineering department. And we learn that she wants to be an engineer, she's really smart, and she could be an engineer, but she's a black woman, and they can't be engineers. And then, Dorothy wants to be a supervisor, but they don't want to pay her to be a supervisor.
0: She and does eventually- all the work but doesn't get paid to do the supervisor position even though she already does all the work anyways. I'm sure a lot of people in the retail business understand this. <laughs> yes. And
1: so we also meet Dorothy's like nemesis, Miss Mitchell,
0: who's Isn't like she all of our nemesis.
1: Yeah, she's, Mm -hmm. like, the white counterpart. (laughs) There are two computing groups, which are just girls who do math, basically. They do the work of a calculator. And there's the West computing group, which is all black women, and then, like, the East computing group, which is all white women. And so Mrs. Mitchell runs the East computing group, and Dorothy runs, unofficially, the West computing group. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Catherine... Is promoted to the space task force to do checking their work and like figure helping them figure out flight patterns because she's good mm-hmm. at analytical geometry so that's the premise and the story it's a, like a story about the three of them but it's mostly about Catherine yeah which I'm okay with. She's the most famous out of the three of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they did a really good job of balancing it as well. They, they did a fantastic job of, okay, this is this person's entire story. Okay, now this is this person's entire story. And now we're going to focus on Catherine, who most people already know.
1: Yeah, it would be probably be easier to walk through their entire like stories, woman by woman. Instead of movie-wise. Yeah. So, Mary wants to be an engineer. And the, like, guy that I forgot his name that's, like, working in the engineering department was, like, Mary, you should be an engineer. And she's, like, I can't. I'm a black woman. And he's, like, I'm a Polish Jew whose parents died in a Nazi holocaust camp. Like, I didn't think I'd be here. We're literally doing the impossible. You should be an engineer.
0: So then she applies to be an engineer and she gets rejected. Yeah, because she didn't take specific classes that are only taken at a white school. So she literally cannot take those classes.
1: Yeah, she has to take like the introduction to engineering class. And so she goes to court and she's like, I want to go to this white high school and take this class. And she gives a really inspirational speech. And I was like, wow,
0: you go, girl. That was actually my favorite scene talking about how, well, you understand being first, right? You were the first to go to the military in your family. You were the first to do this. You were the first to do this. Now we've got the first man in space and we've got the first man orbiting the earth and we're going to get the first man to the moon, but I need your signature and that class to be able to make that happen. And she convinces him and he goes, you're allowed in the night classes. That's it. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. Don't hate me for that.
1: <laughs> I love that. My favorite part of the movie is a lot less significant than that.
0: <laughs> oh, is it the walking down the hallway? Because I love that, too.
1: No, it's like... the bathroom scene. Oh, yeah. What's the walking down the hallway?
0: <laughs> when... Um... She hasn't been named supervisor yet, but she takes all the people out of the West Wing and they're all walking down the hallway and it's this really cool thing. I'm like, yeah, Yeah, freaking women. High (laughs) heels, my guy. Yes. so
1: She goes and takes night classes and then she becomes an engineer. Yeah. And she like, Mary is like having to overcome the fact that her husband is like, why do you want to do
0: this? And eventually he comes around because he's not a terrible human being. (laughs) Yeah, he had the sweetest scene where she's getting ready for night classes and he's standing in the doorway and she goes, you have something to say? And he goes, well, you're going to need these when you go to school. And I guess mechanical pencils weren't a thing because he was showing this incredibly smart engineer how a pencil works. And I think that's adorable. Um... (laughs) He's like, yeah, you just put the lead in here. (laughs) Anyway. I googled
1: when did mechanical pencils become a thing, and the answer's apparently 1822. I'm... what? I'm really blown away that
0: mechanical pencils came out in the 1800s. So, he's just dumb. (laughs) Anyway. It may have just been a cute scene for the movies, which is fine. I'm okay with that. It is a cute scene. He's like,
1: it was probably one of those things where he was like, I got this thing for her and I'm gonna show her how it works because I'm a man. And then the whole time she's like, yeah, I use these all the time. But then she's like, "Uh uh-huh, honey, this is so sweet. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was nice. So then we have Dorothy's
1: story. Dorothy wants to be a supervisor and then NASA's getting the IBM machine, which is just a big calculator.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It's a computer that's gonna replace all of the computers as people. And so Dorothy like sneaks in to figure out how the machine works because she realizes this is gonna be the future, and if some somebody needs to know how it works, or we're all gonna be out of a job. Mm-hmm. So she figures out how it works, and then she trains all of her computers how it works to know how it works. And then there's that awesome scene where it's like fully up and running, and she like brings all of the like West Wing computers down the hallway and into the machine room to start working because they're the only ones who know that how the machine works.
0: Yes, mate. Um.
1: And so, just through the whole movie, there's a lot of like Dorothy wants to do this one thing, and Miss Mitchell's like, No, you can't do that because that's not how things go. And just back and forth. And then, eventually, at the end, as Dorothy's the only one who knows how the machine works, Mrs. Mitchell comes out and is like, There's some girls in the East competing group who want to know how the machine works. Um, is it okay if they come over here and learn how it works too? And Dorothy's like, yeah, bring them. And then they come and it's... Uniting. Yay. So then we have the basically the main plot of the movie, which is about Catherine. Yes. So Catherine's whole story is framed around they're trying to get a man to orbit the Earth. John Glenn and Friendship Seven. But the issue is, the well for the first half of the movie, the issue is that the heat shield keeps breaking, and all these technical engineering things. But the scenes that I find, just whole Catherine's whole thing is so significant to me, because when she first gets into the group, they're all like, is a room full of men, who all look exactly the same or are dressed exactly the same who like every time she moves are like looking at her weird and even after her first day of work they like give her her own coffee pot because colored people can't use the same coffee pot as them Mm -hmm. and then like the room like the building that she's in doesn't have a colored bathroom and so she has to like run all the way across camp like like half a mile every day to go to the bathroom and so there's just you in this place of both intense misogyny and intense racism
0: mm-hmm
1: and then Catherine's just like I'm literally the only one who knows how to do math in this room yeah and I love that for her but eventually one day she is asked to check Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory's number <laughs> stafford and paul this whole time has been like erased like redacting things so she can't know too much and she's like well how am i supposed to fix the numbers if i can't understand what's going on and they're like you know like we're, we've given you all you need to know but she like holds it up to the light because she's big brain <laughs> and discovers like that the heat shield's falling off or something like that or that it's the ship is, like, getting too hot on re-entry. Something like... She discovers something about it, and then she, like, does all of the calculations to, like, fix it, and then everybody's like, wait a minute. How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and the... Uh, I wanted to talk about the director, Al. Mm-hmm. Because I really, really like him as a character. He's fantastic. Like, it, like he, you can tell that he's a little bit misogynistic, too, and a little bit racist, too. But then when Catherine starts showing up and is like, Hi, I know what I'm doing, and I'm better than all of you. He's like, well, we gotta get Amanda Space somehow. Yeah. And he just really softens throughout the whole movie into, like, really appreciating Catherine for who she
0: is. He eventually ends up giving her his clearance badge so, so she can be in the command control center room. Yep.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so she figures out all the calculations and then they, like, give her clearance to, like, be in the know and to, like, do all the calculations. But then eventually they have to figure out the go no-go range which is the mm-hmm. spot where the ship has to re-enter and it has yeah. to be like a certain angle and velocity or whatever or the ship will blow up me pretending like i know what's going on in space <laughs> my biomedical engineering degree <laughs> you need me That's to calculate That's okay the
0: angle? my my music degree isn't going to be of any assistance today
1: <laughs> you need me to calculate the angle of your hip I can do that. The forces in your knee joint got that space. Only kind of understand.
0: I sing notes pretty.
1: This is the thing about this movie is I real I think the first time I watched it I was still in high school, but I remember very clearly one time when I was watching this movie and I understood what Euler's method was. And mm-hmm. I, like, know how it works. And I was like, oh, no. I am actually smart now. <laughs> Which is so funny in that scene. They're, like, trying to calculate the the range, and they, like, can't figure it out. And then Catherine's like, wait, maybe we, instead of trying to invent the math, we just need to go back to math we haven't used in a long time. She's like, Euler's method. And then paul stafford the worst man alive is like but that's ancient <laughs> <laughs> but i learned that in class like they still teach that
0: <laughs> that's
1: crazy i mean i don't think i've ever had to use it but
0: i well, know how right. it works
1: anyway she calculates the stuff she becomes super smart But then the machine, the IBM gets up and running, and they're like, sorry, we don't need you anymore. But then the day of the launch comes, and the, like, numbers are wrong, the IBM's not working right, and so then John Glenn's like, call the Catherine girl. I know she'll do it right. And so they call Catherine, who, like, does the calculations really fast, and then she helps John Glenn get to space. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite scene in the whole movie is when Al tears down the colored bathroom sign. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I love that. So basically, Catherine has to run to go to the bathroom. And then Al gets mad at her and is like, where are you all the time? And then Catherine screams at him and is like, you guys don't respect me. I have to go across campus to use the bathroom. So, sorry. And then Al realizes that there are more important things going on than racism and so he goes to the colored bathrooms and like tears down the sign that says it's the colored bathroom and he's like at NASA we all pee the same color and then he just leaves (laughs) (laughs) fantastic (sighs) so that's the rough summary of the movie
0: yeah One of my other favorite scenes was when the the astronauts were coming and shaking hands with all the NASA people, and so all the white people are on one side and all the black people are farther down the line, and the astronauts are told, hey, we need to get going, and John Glenn goes, well, I haven't shaken everyone's hand yet, and so he goes over to shake the black women's hands and it's like hey you guys are doing great and they introduce themselves by name and he's like okay what are you what are you doing to help this process and so they explain what they're doing and he's like wow you guys are really smart like this is really cool and he was really nice to them and all the other people were really upset with him and They commented on how, like, oh, he's fine, and I can judge fine by any color, and (laughs) all I could think was, like, I think our new catchphrase, if we ever had one to begin with, I think our new catchphrase needs to be, kindness is cute, you guys, like, it's adorable, okay?
1: I love that the only thing... The only thing I was thinking about in that scene is where Mary's, like, looking at the astronauts and Catherine, or Dorothy, I can't remember which one, goes, you are not ogling at these white men.
0: Yes. And that's why she's like, I can tell fine in any color. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Their
1: friendship throughout this whole movie is just so cute. Yeah. Because, like, In the beginning of the movie, they're trying to fix the car, and they're, like, bantering with each other. And... Mm -hmm. Um... And then they're all, like, constantly trying to, like, rein Mary in because she's just too much. Yeah. But it's just, like, fun. And then they have, like, a potluck where Catherine meets her future husband and they just keep trying to get Catherine to talk to him, and Mary, like, waves him over, and she's like, oh, Catherine, he's coming over here, and Dorothy's like, only because Mary told him to, and Catherine's, like, holding, like, plates for her children.
0: I love it. I... We stand good female relationships in this house.
1: It's just such a good dynamic.
0: It is, I mean... It's really survival at that point. Like, they're literally changing the world. They have to rely on each other at that point.
1: Yes. I love this movie for the way that it handles both misogyny and racism. And the same go so gracefully.
0: Intersectionalism. <laughs> Because it's not a lot of
1: the thing I hate about feminist movies are when they hate on men. Right. And this movie doesn't do a lot of that. It doesn't hardly do any. Yeah, I was trying to think of an example of what it did, but I can't think of one because it's perfect. But Catherine becomes as good as she is because she's a like that good at her job right and Mary becomes what she is and Dorothy becomes what they are because they're just good at their job and that's not any fault of a man and it's not Mm -hmm. because a man was lifting them up or tearing them down in any way they're just that good and once given the opportunity they went for it and they did great things for NASA yeah and it's just, I love the line when the Polish guy is trying to convince Mary to go to engineering school, and he's like, a person with an engineering mind should be doing engineering. hmm And that's just something, like, I go to a school that's mostly STEM engineering majors, and the gender ratio is way off.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm in biomedical engineering, which is, in my class, 50-50, and statistically, in the world, 50-50. But I have a friend who's an electrical engineer, and she's the only girl in her class. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. Right. And so, it's just, there aren't enough women in STEM, (laughs) And there should be, because people who have engineering minds should be doing engineering. Mm
0: -hmm. No matter
1: what the color of their skin is, or what body parts they have, or gender they are, whatever. Yeah. And I just really love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I just love seeing powerful women doing things because they're powerful women. And not because yeah. man oppressed them and they had to do it and they get their moment of power because they stand up against men and then they destroy spaceships. Mhm. One of these days we're going to have to talk about Captain Marvel.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Ladies and gents, I still haven't seen it and don't want to.
1: I'm sorry for everyone who likes Captain Marvel, but I can give you a four-page essay about why I don't like it. And why I don't think it's a good feminist movie. Ask me about Wonder Woman. That's a good Mm. feminist movie.
0: Not the second one, though. (laughs) (laughs) We'll worry about that at a later date. But that's not the point. Um, Who directed this movie? Good question. I don't know.
1: I'm Googling. It was directed by Theodore Melfi,
0: Hmm.
1: which surprises me, not because I know who that is, but because it's a man. Yeah. Because most of the time, if men direct movies like this, it doesn't turn out as well. Mm-hmm. But he did a good job. It was written by a woman. Or something. It was written by... Theodore Melfi and Allison Schroeder. Okay. It's based on a non-fiction book of the same name.
0: Yeah, we should have read the book. Everything's based <laughs> on a book. Yeah.
1: I also like the theme that's like kind of in this movie about how... Racism is bad, but not as bad as the communists. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you're black, but we can't let the Russians get to space first,
0: so guess it doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I was trying to find a good quote. There's a lot of really good one-liners. I just happen to not be able to find any at the moment. (laughs) one of my favorite things about this movie and they did the same thing in hacksaw ridge which we all know i stand a lot um
1: have we talked about hacksaw ridge on this before
0: i think so if not i know that I, but <laughs> i love the movie hacksaw ridge you guys like it's I one of Andrew my Garfield. favorites yeah it's literally I, one of my favorite movies
1: I have not known that watch that because I am afraid of war movies <laughs> anyway <Yeah>. continue
0: <laughs> um, like that movie is three hours long and by the end of it it felt like I had been sitting in the theater for five minutes it just overwhelmingly overtakes you and there's not many movies that have done that. Um, one of the one of the best things about that movie is at the very end, they have the survivors retelling the stories that you just witnessed in the movie, like a guy, an explosion happened nearby and a guy had blood all over his face and it was covering his eyes and he couldn't see and he's screaming, I'm blind, I'm blind, I can't see, I'm never gonna see again. And Andrew Garfield, the protagonist, takes a rag and wipes his eyes off and he's like, you just gave me my sight back. And then this 90 something year old man retells this story in an interview at the very end. And one of my favorite things about Hidden Figures is that throughout the entire thing, they interject real footage from when this was actually happening and real pictures and real speeches and real radio broadcasts. And it's so impactful. It's so crazy because you're like, this actually, this did happen. Because people our age were like, meh, what's real anymore? We don't old people, am I right? Moon
1: landing is a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Just kidding, I don't think it was. (laughs) No, but like, I know enough about engineering and science to know that the moon landing is entirely possible. (laughs) Yes,
0: so, but getting to hear those real life things and getting to see them right in front of our eyes within this fictional reality and even in Like, with the filmography, where they take the real footage of what's going on in black and white, and then it kind of merges into the actors, and suddenly the actors that are doing that exact scene are in black and white, and then it all kind of fades into color, and then it's back into the fictional world that they're trying to recreate, and I'm just going... (sighs) the filmography, my guy, like, it's so phenomenal. And that's just, like, a point two second thing, but it's so impactful.
1: Yeah, I get chills every time that JFK gives his speech mm-hmm. in the movie because, I mean, that's one of JFK's most famous speeches, and yeah. we know about that all the time. But hearing it in the, like, narrative framework of like the context of the time that it was said of this is the space race we're trying to beat them like we're going to get to space and then seeing the behind the scenes people of everybody working on it and okay we did this one thing now we're going to go to the moon and then the way that like JFK gives his speech and then it cuts to them all watching that and being like yes we're going to the moon better start getting to work and like that's the rest of the movie mhm it's like easy to forget that In history,
0: people are real people. Yeah, it, especially when there's so many... They kind of become fictional characters. Like, just because there's so many adaptations of the same story, you kind of don't realize what's real and what's not. And it's hard to even tell unless you have some sort of second party source like a newspaper or something from the time that even that may not be reliable but that's the best you got or someone that was alive during that time with all the biases they already come with because nothing is objective
1: (laughs) this is a psa nothing is objective
0: that's what i learned the first day of sociology class you can try, but you will fail.
1: <laughs> yeah. Especially with things like the space race, which were 30, 40 years before we were born. hmm It's so easy to get caught up in the hype of it in the moment and be like, Oh, these like people, we did this thing, like that's so cool. But we never experienced that. And so it just is something that is. And I've been to so many museums like where there's like look at this space cap like i've like seen space shuttles in real life
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and like it's
0: we're really close to nasa in houston i've toured it myself we have a teacher who works there
1: right i've been to the port canaveral nasa and Mm -hmm. the smithsonians and there's there's a space shuttle somewhere else that i went to recently I'll look that up in a second, but (laughs) it's really hard to associate things you see in a museum with the fact that people actually use them at some point. Yeah. And, like, NASA museums and the Smithsonian always have, like, the, like, I've seen this all the time, the Russian capsule, and it's like, this is what the Russians did to get into space, and you're like, oh, that's cool, but you have to, like, remember that there were, like, people in there at some point. And, like, most of them are models, so it, like, wasn't that specific one. But, like, something just like that had people in it, and they went to space in that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I love space. I love space. (laughs) That's actually our new catchphrase. Kindness is cute? No, space is cute. Carrie's judging me.
1: (laughs) No, I'm agreeing with you. history is just so fascinating and so like seeing a fictional adaptation like this where i am assuming that a lot of the things in this movie are not 100 percent accurate well yeah naturally i know that the people were real people and that most of the things that happened were probably dramatizations but the Mm -hmm. main thread of the movie is the same there were these people working on these mathematical calculations to get these people to space
0: yeah, and the same misogynistic, racist things were going on. Now, whether those exact lines were said by those exact people, maybe not. But the same things were happening.
1: Yes. I was looking up where the space shuttles are. <laughs> um, right, and seeing it in this context makes history come alive. And it makes mm-hmm. us like feel connected. And especially as somebody, like, I'm not black, but I am a woman in STEM. And so seeing those, like, relationships and those connections and the way that, like, men look at them differently is very relatable. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, if they can do it, I can do it. I'm not going to do it, but everybody I know can do
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of like... So, I don't know if any of you have been to this particular museum, the Titanic Museum in Missouri, in Branson, Missouri. Have you been?
1: Yes, I have. Is that the one where they give you a card and you, like, walk through the museum?
0: Yes, and it's also shaped like the freaking Titanic, which is so cool. Like, you're literally walking into the It's so cool. It's really, it's interactive. They've got sideways walls where they can show you like, oh, this is when the boat was tipping. This is what degree the walls were at. Try standing on it or try leaving your hand in this water that we've made the exact temperature of the water that night and see how long you can stay in that water. Um, Things like that. But there's one particular room where they've remodeled it to look like the room where the musicians were playing and the musicians played all night. They, I forget which hymn they played, but they, they played it over like the loudspeaker. Um, and that was one of, the most impactful rooms in the entire thing one because i connect with music so much and a lot of other people connect with music regardless but two because they had that same work ethic they were going down with that ship because they had practiced their entire lives for that moment they were playing a hymn to keep people at peace Because that was familiar, because that music was keeping them calm. That was their life's work to do that. And so, me skipping out on practice because I'm freaking lazy is like, oh, they literally (laughs) gave their lives for their profession because it meant the world to everyone. And now they've gone down in history as heroes. In my book, not actually. So it's it's the same idea of like you really relate to the people that do the same thing you do. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, and it's hard to it's hard to relate to anything else for sure, but it's a lot easier when you're in the museum literally looking at it looking at the words they wrote or the things they touched or the things that they did or created or getting to see a replica of a room they were in or getting to see a movie that was created after them and going they did this so that i could live the way i do now which is wild because if they hadn't done that then you probably wouldn't be in STEM right now. Um, yeah. Somebody had to be the first. <laughs> yes.
1: That's the way <laughs> I, I love felt. love that scene. When we visited Ellis Island.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: That place is was way more emotionally taxing than I was expecting it to be.
0: I would love to go there.
1: You, one, like... My family is like my dad's family is very German,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: my half of my mom's side is very German too. And so, we like know that like we had family go through there, and we even like looked it up and like found some stuff. But even then, before then, we were like, there was no way that they didn't come through here because right. like, the timeline worked out right. So, it's like walking in there, and it's like our ancestors walked through this island. To get to America to have a better life mm-hmm. now, like that's impact on its own but like Ellis Island is like it's empty they didn't like restore it the way it is but the building is the same and so you're mm-hmm. like walking and you're like people like spent their like built up their hopes and dreams to come here they traveled all the way across the ocean to come and I'm walking on the same tiles that they did yeah. and you can like feel the like energy that's there and it's kind of almost like the ghosts of the past
0: yeah it's eerie but it's also it's it's hard to explain
1: yeah that's it a... i think i just get like i feel like i'm really connected to things like that yeah because it's also the same thing happened to me in London. Of all yeah. Places. I was like walking down the street of London and I was like, I feel weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would definitely, there's several places I want to visit, like where the Twin Towers fell. I want to visit there. I want to visit. Yeah. When we were at the... Ellis Island,
1: my dad was like, we have extra time. Let's go to the 9-11 memorial. And my mom and I were like. Let's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a we lot. We do not
1: have emotional energy left for that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And I I want to go to the Holocaust Museum in New York and Yad Vashem across La Pond. Um, because even though it's hard, it's something that everyone should do because... It's one thing to read a book, even if it is a diary of someone who experienced that. It's one thing to hear it from someone if you were lucky enough to have the chance. It's another thing to be where those people were, to see what they saw, to see faces of kids that were killed. Like, we sang a song about Yad Vashem at a music conference and um, my choir director chose the song because she and the composer both visited Yad Vashem together and were so moved by it that they wrote a song about the suffering of the kids and had children's names in the song that we had to learn how to pronounce correctly and it was such a heavy thing to have to perform. I've also done a song on 9-11 and my choir teacher then said that she sang that song at the memorial and that they barely got through it, which obviously because music connects people to each other and to the past and it's insane. Someone needs to write a song about hidden figures. That's really the point I'm trying to make right now.
1: <laughs> the score of hidden figures is so good. It's, it's fantastic. Like in my study playlist. But I was going to say, that was one of the things that both relieved me and upset me about when we visited Berlin.
0: Mm. And it's
1: completely understandable because that city got wrecked. Mm -hmm. But there's not a lot of war stuff left in Berlin. And, like, as a city that's so... has so much history in it, it was, like, a little surprising to be like, oh, yeah, this is not, like, what I expected. I expected it to be more heavy than it was. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But there's little things. We toured the parliament building, and there's... Parts of the building that are exposed, that when they were remodeling it after... It's on the east side, so after Soviet, the Soviet Union collapsed, and they, like, rebuilt the capital in Berlin. They were remodeling, and there's parts of the exposed wall that they left, because when the Russians took over, they, like, wrote on the wall stuff like, so-and-so is here, and, like, all of these things. There's just, like, very, like, very typical graffiti... Mm -hmm. of Bob was here but like it was a very visible remembrance that there were people here that the Russians took over this place and then there's also a line throughout the whole city of where the Berlin Wall used to be Mm -hmm. that you can like walk on and there's some parts of the Berlin Wall that are still up but we visited the DDR No. The Gestapo place. I forgot what it was called. But there's like a museum there of where the location of where the Gestapo headquarters used to be. But it's not there anymore because it got blown up. And my main man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, (laughs) was imprisoned like there for a little bit before he got sent somewhere else. And then before he died. But it was like, I kind of was like wow, this was here, but not in this modern building. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm, the point I'm trying to say is. We also visited Bonhoeffer's house and they've like kept his room exactly the same as it was the day he was arrested. That felt heavy. Mm-hmm. It's just there's something really significant about when history comes to life. Yeah. And that's what I feel like this movie did. That was my point. <laughs> Very Definitely. long Definitely. In case you're wondering, there are four space shuttles on display and they're in the second Smithsonian that's in Virginia, near DC, at Port Canaveral, California, and the Intrepid Air and Space Museum. So I've seen two of them. The third one, my parents went to see the Virginia one With my brothers when I was little without me so I haven't seen that one nice but the intrepid was no one I was thinking about I was like I've seen one recently when was it back in the good old days when New York was still open good old 2018 when Anastasia was still on Broadway (laughs) who's your favorite character
0: in this movie Oh, don't do that. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I think I do have to say Catherine just because she really held herself together. She really held a lot of composure and still had compassion for others, and still had empathy and understanding, and... pretty much just because she didn't let anything sway her. Like, you could tell when anyone else was questioned or bothered that they fought back. Which I don't have a problem with because there was injustice happening But to be in the face of so much injustice and still keep your composure almost the entire time (laughs) is fantastic. It was just phenomenal work to both the actual person and the actress because she had to portray that idea.
1: Yes, I love that. I was also going to say Catherine, but Al was a close second. Yeah. Because I feel like his character throughout the movie had real depth. That is like Mm -hmm. stern, white guy who doesn't like to show his emotions but also the way that the acting was done, you could tell that this guy is like really stressed out at this moment and this guy like actually cares about Catherine and
0: all of those things. So what you're saying is It's another Luke Dane's character.
1: (laughs) Yes, but with NASA.
0: So big, smart, no diner.
1: (laughs) Really big diner. Diner is space. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: That's it. That's our tweet.
1: (laughs) Another point that I thought of that I really loved about this movie but about these women just in general not as as like people but that I think the movie did really well was to display them as strong women in STEM and like doing things and changing the world but also as mothers Mm -hmm. that I feel like a lot of times the feminist agenda agenda the feminist movement Forgets that to be a mother is still a really beautiful thing to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that it turns into, well, if you're not the CEO of a company, you're not doing us proud enough. You're not doing us enough. But just even the balance of, I can do these great things from the company I'm working at, or for the world, or for NASA, or whatever, while also still going home and having a good relationship with my children. And the fact that I work doesn't stop that from happening and that to be a mother isn't a bad thing
0: yeah that was pretty fantastic and that just because you want to be a mother
1: doesn't mean you're not a feminist those are my thoughts
0: (laughs) yep it's really about the choices you make and if you're allowed to follow through with those choices regardless of what they are
1: and the main point is that women are amazing so do you have any final thoughts
0: I think we covered it all
1: okay what do you think the Rotten Tomato score is
0: oh no the we do the critic and audience right mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: mhm oh god I don't um critic <laughs> critic 90 audience 95.
1: i was also gonna say critic 90. i thought of this beforehand i'm not copying you but i'm gonna say audience 85. oh click <laughs> i left my phone on the other side of the room so i have to use my computer for once gross. I've not looked at Rotten Tomatoes on the computer in a long time. Where are the scores? Oh, they're right at the top. <laughs> Audience or no, Critic 93, Audience 93.
0: Well, I call that a win except for you. So I win.
1: Congratulations, you win.
0: <laughs> Give me the popcorn.
1: Have- ask like guessing game every time and then we never do anything about it do we start giving points based on who gets it the most right
0: I'm always right
1: oh well then never mind (laughs) wait what I don't want you to win
0: what the heck Okay, I just like knowing. I just like guessing things. Is there anything wrong with that? Does there have to be a prize?
1: No, we can (gasps) just guess things.
0: (sighs) Gosh.
1: Honestly. Now I want you to guess what your score for this movie is.
0: Help me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking about it this whole time. And it still stresses me out to no end.
1: This is so funny because I'm like... I watch movies and I'm usually like five minutes in and I'm like, I'm probably going to give this as, this score. And then if my opinion's not changed by the end of the movie, that's what I'm going to give it.
0: What the heck?
1: And no, sometimes I just I change enjoy it. it. Sometimes I change it based on our conversation, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I decide really early and really easily.
0: Yeah. But um, I enjoy watching you squirm every week. Help send help um (laughs) please i just i don't know you know what my problem is i can't think of any negatives to this movie I can't think of any. The score, the characters, the acting, the writing, the story, the filmography, even the freaking title's good. The one-liners, the fact that it's PG and there's only like three cuss words in it. The real-life story, the... Everything about it. Like... I'm going to give it a nine and a half. A nine and
1: a half?
0: The 0.5 is just because. That's it. There's no end to that sentence. Just because.
1: I keep going back and forth on my score.
0: Like, honestly thinking about it, my hidden figure is 10, but... For some reason, something's holding me back, and I'm not sure what.
1: That's exactly where I'm at. Like, I've seen this movie so many times, and I like it so much, I should give it a 10. And looking at the other movies I've given a 10, there's no reason why I shouldn't give this movie a 10. I just can't do it. But there's just
0: something, right?
1: I'm gonna give it a 9.75.
0: Oh my gosh, you're a coward. Do you think I should give it a ten? I've given more tens than you have. After how much you've talked about this movie? I given two two tens. Fine, I'll give it a ten. There you go. Now you'll be able to sleep at night. Nine point seven five. Get that crap out of here.
1: You know what this means, Jane?
0: This is the new time. brought a movie. movie.
1: Yes there's a movie in our top five that's not a musical
0: (laughs) oh my gosh like critically and personally speaking there's honestly nothing wrong with this movie i guess i guess the biggest thing for me is that i don't relate to it because i'm not a STEM person i think that's the biggest thing that's what's holding me back um and that's where the 0.5 comes from that's just personally that's fair yeah but it gives you things to think about and it's nice sorry go ahead
1: (laughs) together we give this movie a 9.67 Which makes it our new top movie. Oh. That hurt. Okay, let me... Do some fancy Excel stuff.
0: What was our top before Newsies?
1: So our top five movies. Bandstand.
0: Mmm. Because
1: I give Newsies an eight. Shh.
0: I'm still mad.
1: So, top five are Hidden Figures, Bandstand, Stage Newsies, Klaus. Oh, that's five. That's five. <laughs> no, wait. That's four. And film.
0: I still... <sighs> we need to get Klaus out of here. No! That movie's so good. It's just so creepy, man.
1: Klaus has a better critic score on Rotten Tomatoes than Hidden Figures does. By one point, but...
0: <laughs> Irrelevant.
1: has a better... Way better audience score.
0: Yeah. But
1: whatever. You can hate <sighs> what you want. Even if I don't agree. Lose I you will always
0: newsies will always be you number one in that. my heart and that's okay i'll be fine yeah, Newsies
1: is the only movie you've given a 10 to so far I've i given will three clutch, tens now
0: i will clutch my newsies hat proudly and cry a lot i've given three tens jade we need to stop <laughs> because newsies is the only thing that deserves a 10. I have to compare everything to Newsies now.
1: These, like, I give it Hidden Figures, Bandstand, and Klaus tens. And they just don't all feel in the same range. They don't feel the same to me. Well, They're all three very different
0: movies. But... They're very different. That's, but critically, they are all tens. 100%. I agree with you. Now, if you don't feel they're in the same range personally, you'll have to do some soul searching for that. That's okay. I know
1: that in the moment, I gave them tens because I really, I mean, Klaus is definitely 10, like, I'm not going to stand it. Bandstand, like, a few weeks later feels like that's not a 10. But then I remember, like, us talking about bandstand, and I was like, no, that's not a 10 too.
0: Yeah, right. This way alone deserves a ten.
1: True. So, those are scores. This is Hidden Figures, the movie about women. I guess we have to wrap now. You got Heck
0: yeah.
1: Wrap us up, Jade.
0: <laughs> okay, like a burrito, friends. No, we're curly fries in this house. Stop. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, whatever other social media we have at Curly Critics Pod. Email us at curlycriticspod at gmail.com. Rate us five pineapples on whatever streaming service you listen to us to. Comment on our YouTube because we have one of those. Um super duper fun. Yeah. Social media is hard. We don't post video.
1: But
0: <laughs> no, we don't. But if you just like YouTube better, which I kind of do, go for it. Have a party.
1: Great. So Curly Critics is a proud member of the WBNE Network, which has eight awesome shows to listen to and enjoy. One of which is Sincerely Us, which is two girls, Becca and Amy, two of my favorite people on earth, who just talk about music theater and hang out. I was on their podcast last week, two weeks ago. Time is lost on me. But Becca ranted in, my, in the podcast for like 20 minutes about the Lightning Thief. And it was a great time. We talked about the Tonys for a very long time. So you should check out their podcast. And here's a promo. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day and here's why. Because today we have found your new favorite podcast. Do you like all things musical theater? Or do you just like Hamilton? Then Sincerely Us is perfect for you. We take deep dives into modern musicals and teach you all that you need to know. From props and sets to playwrights and composers. We will get you caught up on all things Broadway. We are Becca and Eni two best friends. Here to teach you all about the shows that we love. Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. Join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and on wbne.org i never know what to say after the promo's over we haven't figured that out yet Mm.
0: bye (laughs) (laughs) we've been the curly critics we (laughs) we should be like i'm curly and i'm critic bye (laughs) which is which
1: am i curly or are you critic wait
0: <laughs> she heard that too. Good. <laughs> which is which? You know which is which. Okay fine. start it. <laughs> I'm Curly.
1: And I'm Critic. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye. Bye. that's so cute how adorable is that we're so cute